Welcome to the Making After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved with during non-school hours. The Making After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. In an article written by V.C. Talik in Parrot Magazine, she states, yoga is beneficial to kids in many ways, and in recent years has become more popular in schools through physical education classes and after-school programs. Because children encounter emotional, social, and physical challenges or conflicts, a dedicated and intentional yoga practice that includes breathing techniques, behavioral guidelines, and appropriate physical postures can be incredibly valuable for youth. Additionally, yoga is something that children can practice anywhere and that the breathing techniques and the concentration concepts help youth to learn proper ways to react to situations, thus helping them to be inquisitive and resilient. To discuss the benefits of yoga and mindfulness is my guest on today's episode of the Making Us School Cool podcast, Ms. Connie Morris. Connie has an undergraduate degree in K-8 elementary education and a K-12 intervention license. She holds a Master's of Education in Special Education with a focus on autism spectrum disorders. She started building yoga and teaches educators, parents, and students mindfulness techniques through yoga. Connie also teaches professional development and graduate courses to educators. She is a contributing writer for the Edutopia newsletter, which is a resource dedicated to transforming K-12 education so that all students can acquire the knowledge, attitude, and skills necessary to thrive in their studies, careers, and adult life. Connie, thank you so much for being our guest on today's episode of the Making at School Crew podcast. How are you doing today? Good, thanks, and thanks for having me. Very happy to be here. My pleasure. First of all, I want you to speak regarding what motivated you to open Budding Yoga. Well, through my journey, and and you covered a lot of it, just the uh, (laughs) primary years in education, then being moved to a high school situation, uh, also doing some transition to work. I have seen a lot of different perspectives, had the opportunity to see changes in education, work lots of different ages and stages in multiple settings. So I recently was asked to do mindful movement in a school and I loved it. It was amazing. And during the time that I work with kids and use the mindfulness, I noticed parents and teachers were asking, you know, they saw their child do this at home and could I explain more of that? So uh, making that connection with parents and families uh, became very important when when I was working with kids. So what brought me to where I am, I think, is those experiences. And teachers are typically just lifelong learners. And as I learned more in my master's, Mindful movement kept coming up in research um, for students on the spectrum, students with ADHD, but really it benefits all humans, not just children. So I first had my children's yoga certificate, and then I added the adult certification because some of my students were adult size. So I thought just for the safety for them, I would add that and then added the mindfulness training as well. And 
I developed then a professional development for teachers because of the questions that were being asked me, but also because when I was teaching it to students in a setting, either in private class with myself or in a school situation, there wasn't always the transfer of skills, which of course we want when we're learning something. So being able to talk to parents helped being able to communicate with teachers, this is a skill we're working on, help. But without that continuous practice during the day, we might not see as much progress as I was hoping for. So I once learned in a college class, not too long ago, graduate class, that the best thing we can hope for is to not need, be needed anymore. So if I could bring this into the classroom through teachers and, and home with parents, then that would be much more effective than having just small groups of students. So I took everything, my students, they would give me feedback on things they would like, things that were effective, and that really helped me. I learned a lot from them. So we put together uh, the curriculum and there are yoga cards and breath cards and all sorts of different tools because I think teachers and parents need that buy-in, that personal buy-in you can't fool a, a child that, that this is something you want them to learn, but you have no interest in it yourself. So with the year and a half being what it has been, I think the buy-in is much more available. I think we're all looking for a way to be able to handle the stress without it affecting us, especially since we know that stress is contagious at home or at school. and. Uh, when our when kids get to us in the morning, whatever they come in through the doors with is very important for us to be aware of as teachers. Not just them though, we come through the same door a few minutes earlier and we're usually in a big hurry to get started and do all the things we need to do. And we seldom take the time, just a minute or two, just to maybe close the door before the kids come in, turn off the lights and take a few minutes just to bring a calm to ourselves so that when they come through the door, maybe they feel that instead of our, you know, hectic, oh my goodness, we got to get going, <laughs> which just travels right through the classroom. So knowing this is where it starts is where why I started Budding Yoga. I want to help people be ready to learn and ready to teach because we all come to the same place hoping that those things are very successful and, and having these tools will help. Early on in my education career, I remember I was having this conversation with one of the school counselors and she said something that sort of stuck with me. She said that, you know, we all have reactions. Um, she said, but a overreaction is not based on that current situation. It's based on something that has occurred prior. And so uh, I've kind of like put that in the back of, of my brain. So when I, when I am confronted with a situation and I see that the person is overreacting, I'm like, okay, you know, it, this was not that important. But I also accept the fact that they may be dealing with something that I don't know about. And I, you know, want them to know that I am available if they ever want to uh, share whatever that experience may be. And so I do think it's important for us to definitely take some time to reset, you know, refocus and, and sort of get ready for what's needed for the particular setting when they find ourselves in at that particular time. 
Um, as a career educator with experience working with kids with various types of physical and mental abilities, you know firsthand what it's like to be on the ground level working directly with youth. As a result, you know the benefits for teaching basic yoga skills. Can you describe some of these benefits? Yes, and I love how you said uh, earlier about the awareness, just knowing that about children, you know. So that that's my first answer for benefits. We know so much about wellness for the body. We have for a while what's good for our body. But because of the neuroscience and the technology, we, we have seen the mind-body connection. So having that, um, the growing research for neuroscience brings us to all of the benefits. I like to start with that because it is science supported what we're doing. So we know stress is contagious, but we also know that a smile is contagious. Mindfulness, bring on a growth mindset and a positive attitude through this mindfulness, through this awareness. And I think the growth mindset is very important for what you just said. For many years, we felt as though when students came to school, there were things already in place. And I think now, because of the neuroscience, we know that through uh, modeling and through example and through giving them life skills, that there's so much we can help them with and 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 uh, allow them to grow and have tools to deal more with what might be going in, on in their world outside of the classroom. So science supports that we can rewire our brains, creating new habits regardless of age, and mindfulness will give us the tools to do that. So the actual benefits to breathing, mindfulness, and movement is that it will increase our self-awareness and self-regulation. It increases uh, focus and memory it will actually give us better immunity. And during COVID, I kept thinking and kept working with our students saying, there's actually a lot you can do for your wellness beyond the mask, <laughs> beyond washing hands. There's a lot you can do for that wellness. So um, improving your mental and physical health, the me mental health being a big aspect of it, as well as just like I said, the immune system, the physical health, It'll lessen stress, which also helps your immune system, uh, help you cope with anxiety and depression. And of course, it gives us increased flexibility, balance, self-esteem, endurance, and strength. And I think through those things, we have a greater uh, opportunity to give our students both independence and success. In my class, it was always, I can't do this yet. You had to say yet. And very interestingly to me is every now and then I would say, I can't do that. And they'd go, you mean yet? And I okay. said, no, I mean anymore <laughs> because maybe it's that part. But they were funny because they did really kind of focus on that and, and learn to say yet, which I think is a great, great asset for that. Yeah. And I think, like I said, the buy-in is very, very important. And my students, when I started as a mindfulness teacher, the same week I started, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So my families and my students watched me go through a year of no hair. And they would ask, can we see what's underneath your scarf? And I'm like, There's nothing underneath my scarf. But they were very in tune and aware and incredibly understanding of what I was going through 
And they had an opportunity to see my buy-in on the deep breathing during different treatments. I would tell them, you know, what I, when I use the breathing and how it helps. So that buy-in is so very important. And I think uh, having, we all have experiences where we can use this and sharing that with our students uh, is really a connection that, that's a great benefit. One key aspect of yoga is it increases mindfulness. And uh, mindfulness is actually a term that has probably gone into, especially educators, our world. We, we, we're, we're starting to talk more and more about mindfulness. But for those that don't quite understand what exactly mindfulness is and you know mindfulness skills, can you, in your own words, define what is mindfulness? There is a difference between mindfulness and meditation. And the mindfulness is, is, I think, extremely important in our lives. And it's being in the moment. That's all it is. It's being aware of right now what's going on around you. It helps lessen natural distractions. I know when I was in school, I can remember my sixth grade class. We had a big field outside of the window and I would watch intently. I would focus on the person who mowed the grass and the riding lawnmower back and forth. And I would be reminded by the teacher to pay attention. And in my mind, I was thinking, I am paying attention. <laughs> this person out there is very interesting. <laughs> and I was very mindful of what was going on there. So I think in teaching, you take that mindfulness and say exactly what is it we're asking you to be mindful of right now. It's actually, to me, it's part of the lesson. You have all these standards. What is it that we're going to be focusing on right now? Where is the attention? Not maybe the subject, but as much as who is, who's instructing? Is it a, is it a group? Is, is our mindfulness going to be in that group right now? Or is it going to be on the teacher? Or is it going to be on a peer? Where is that mindfulness going? So being in that moment, having a focus, uh, a little bit of patience, and those move into life skills. Being aware of their feelings, triggers um, that might happen during the day. If they feel anxious every day before lunch, why would that be? And you can have them, the students start being aware of it. And then when you're teaching, uh, the support is, if you have a problem, where is the support? Where can you get help? Then if they're getting anxious at school because at this time of the day, the person next to them might not be kind to them. So it teaches us to respond instead of react, to take a second to think unless they're in danger, of course, because that is the way our body works. And I'd like to say this is for all ages. There's so many things you can do with the brain and science and the body for our high school students to say there are going to be times in your life when you're driving a car and you need to react, react, not respond, but react quickly because that's how your body is made. But there are also times where you're gonna be in that car where you need to respond someone instead of um, reacting because that could be so you teach them the difference between that and that's all the mindfulness self-regulation listening to personal needs decision making listening to others so you're doing relationship skills um, being aware we become more empathetic we have more social awareness we have more gratitude 
and appreciation. So being in the moment, mindfulness, but it can go all day long for lots and lots of different things. Just being grateful for the food in front of you, those types of things. I'm glad you explained the difference between mindfulness and meditation. I think sometimes people may get those two terms confused. And so, um, yeah, I think you did an excellent job of, of, of describing the difference between the two. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, an article I recently read in Edutopia that you wrote entitled Short Breaks Help Students and Teachers Find Their Calm. And you list simple, quick exercises to improve mindfulness, self-regulation, and the well-being for both students and teachers. Uh, in the article, you write about this term that is PAUSE, P-A-U-S-E. Can you explain the acronym of PAUSE and how teachers and youth leaders as well as parents can use it? Yes, I think I came up with that during, again, COVID, because everyone has been asked to do a lot with less. You have to take care of yourself. You know, make sure you're doing self-care. That just seems like one more thing you're asking me to do, and I don't have time for that. Uh, so a pause to me makes it sound less like a whole, this is what you need to make time for if you just pause. And uh, science tells us that 30 minutes of exercise a day is going to lessen your chances of having diseases and you know, much more fulfilling life, all of those benefits, 30 minutes a day sounds better than you have to exercise all the time. So if you, you lessen that and say, it's a powerful pause, especially in the classroom. And again, this starts, this helps the teachers, it can help parents at home. But a powerful pause was meant to be mindful curriculum for any classroom, high school, younger children, any classroom. And I came up with it because I keep thinking when I'm doing the professional development, teachers love to hear this, but they don't always feel comfortable because they don't yoga or they don't feel they can meditate. So again, just to simplify, pause means to practice awareness and understanding self exercises. In school, we practice exercises all the time. So those two words were super easy. We practice math, we practice reading, we do exercises to give us practice. So as we build on this, we're getting better. In sports, we do the same thing. We start with small things and build. And you don't go out into a basketball game and have to make a decision on the court without practicing that skill ahead of time. We can't expect our kids to make good decisions to always be paying attention without practicing, especially students who might have trauma or not had the experience to have someone model what we're talking about. A pause is the acronym for teachers to just have these exercises and they're fun, really. I mean, we're not talking yoga, uh, like studio, we're talking, talking mindful movement in a classroom. It can get kind of crazy. It can go really fast sometimes because they want the next pose, which is fine. You're just trying to feel what they want. So my hope is that 
teachers, parents, any leaders that are able to share these practices with their students, they not only are helping their students, but they are taking on these benefits as well. Uh, one thing I do want to talk about now, uh, yoga and mindfulness techniques or activities that are calming and relaxing. But you also say playing is the strongest form of learning and play sometimes can be a little bit more interactive and more physical. How can educators balance the two different forms of activities? I love this question. I really do. Uh, because it's a practice and because what I said is if you think have this yoga period in class and everybody's going to be very peaceful and quiet, it doesn't always happen. Again, through practice, it's pretty cool. The things you see, like the connections you make and the, the things you hear from parents, but you can make it fun. So we use parachutes. You know, you can do a whole bunch of poses with a parachute and that makes it fun, but it also gives everybody their area to be in. You're in a circle, you're holding onto the parachute. You reach up and take a breath. You lower down and exhale. And you've just done a reach up and a forward fold. And they're just, they're lifting that parachute and they're bending over and lowering it down. So we do gloga which is glow sticks, you know, the wristbands turn off the lights and their 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 uh, ankles and their hands all have the glow sticks on. And we do that in when it's usually around October. We've gone outside and done snoga, where we form a, uh, everybody makes a snowman with different yoga poses. And then they pose with, they go around and pose with a different snowman. Um, not something maybe everyone can do. <laughs> <laughs> but up in the north, we certainly get the snow. Um, there is a game, Silent Ball, where they all get in a circle and they throw the ball to another person and that person has to have the focus um, and they catch the ball. And the person is out if they throw the ball in a way that someone can't catch it or if they miss the ball and no one can talk or if they talk. So it's the quietest game and they absolutely love it but it's teaching them focus it's you know obviously showing some you know some skills for catching a ball but my favorite is mountain motion and mountain motion is mountain pose where you stand with your feet on the ground your hands next to you and your face forward it is the perfect game to play when kids line up for anything and you say mountain and they have to be a mountain and you say motion and they have to stay in their spot and they move and you say mountain and they freeze. You say motion and they move. So you're teaching them that focus and self-regulation. So those types of things. It's not something you would do in a regular yoga class, but it becomes a yoga game uh, through just, just having fun. So the play is always there. The poses can always be there. The breath can always be there. It just depends on what your class needs in that moment. Connie, uh, before we close, do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners? I would just, I'd love to say that I think the, the best thing about this is, um, is the benefits teachers and parents have, the connection between family and school, sending home ideas, using literature in, in uh, your classroom is one of the easiest ways, I think, to come up with ideas. Uh, there's so many books out now that actually talk about poses. Um, you can look at 
people's facial expressions in the books, talk about how they may be feeling, being able to understand how other people live and have an understanding that we do come from different places. We do have different understandings and and we need to be um, compassionate towards each other in, in the world. So I, literature to me is one of the easiest pauses. Um, another thing uh, is maybe just listening to sounds. You know, it, it doesn't, it can be very structured. And I'd like to say with the intervention uh, part of this, the behavior part is you're focusing on positive behaviors. If you see a child, take a deep breath when they're frustrated, like saying, oh my gosh, I just saw you take that deep breath. That's so great. You know, you're trying to trying to be able to think and, you know, believe in yourself here. So making sure that you notice the positives and always send things home so that families are aware of what you're doing and they can share and do some things together too. There's so much that's so exciting. And, and I, I think right now uh, with the social emotional learning as the foundation for this and the literature, there's so much available for us to add to our curriculum and still have it academic, but really answered to our kids' needs and where we can meet them. Uh, thank you so much, Connie, for uh, sharing this this information. I mean, you know, these are some very interesting times, and uh, all of us, from kids all the way up, are confronted with some very interesting um, situations. And so, you know, I appreciate the, the information that you provided, and also want to thank you for being my guest on uh, today's episode of the Making That School Cool podcast. I'm so happy to be here, and love what you do, and I think this is. This is just a wonderful, thank you. I appreciate it just being able to be here. Maybe at the school, cool. As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today, where our topic focused on helping students learn mindfulness using basic yoga techniques. Please join us for future episodes as we continue to explore issues relevant to the out of school time field.